Welcome to BizWell. This is Melissa Botello, and today I'm here with Dr. Sally Reese Renzulli, Vice Provost of UConn, Professor, a PhD in Psychology, and Gifted and Talented. Welcome, and thank you for being here today. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you. I, mean, I made a note here. You have had over 250 articles, books, mm-hmm. and technical reports published, mm-hmm. along with all the research you've done. So, and, and we were just talking prior to coming on, like, what should we talk about? There's so much to talk about your research, the women that you've like helped and supported mm-hmm. through your career. So if someone asked you after all these years, what stands out to you most? What is the thing that you feel is your biggest legacy? Well, that's a really good question. Um, so I've spent most of my life as a professor at the University of Connecticut, most of my adult life, mm-hmm. and I study academically talented students. And I think the thing I've been probably the most passionate about is my work on, I work with girls and women. So about, um, um, 1987, I published my first article on talented women, and there really are only, uh, you know, a handful of people studying this topic in the United States. Um, about 10 years later, I published a book on this topic called Work Left Undone, uh, and I've done a few studies about women that have been really, really meaningful to me. One was about older women who were eminent, and I studied women in their 50s and their 60s who were American pioneers. I was interested in learning about the obstacles they encountered, their paths to eminence, what they felt about marriage and children, what they felt about their own career accomplishments. And then just this year, um, I've replicated that study. So Mm. I've repeated this to see if there are differences from what I did 15, 20 years ago and what I'm doing now. Um, What the women are doing now are people feeling, you know, more at ease, Mm -hmm. mainly because I feel that I believe that um, this America still isn't completely comfortable with smart women that, you know, we have kind of a, you know, a love hate affair with women. Um, I think the last election taught us some lessons about it. And I I think, you know, we see misogyny in a lot of areas mm-hmm. in politics and in business. I was particularly upset by the, the Forbes story. So Forbes did a, a recent story in September 2019 of the um, 100 most creative business mm-hmm. leaders. And there was only one woman out, woman profile out of 100. And in 2019, that's, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and it's inexcusable and it's particularly inexcusable, excuse me, it's particularly inexcusable because they should have known better. I mean, they should have known better. There are creative women leading businesses and doing amazing things all over this country. Um, And they could only come up with one. They only identified one. It's disgraceful. Yeah, and I I saw something afterwards. They tried to come back Mm -hmm. with a statement. They blame their methodology. It was a non-apology essentially. Yeah, Yeah, and I think, but that's the issue and I think the other issue is that there's still so much um, socialization. You know, we we expect young girls that are, especially those that are ac- academically good at school, to be able to do anything and to be able to accomplish anything. But, you know, there are fewer women CEOs, there are fewer women leaders, there are fewer women ambassadors, there are fewer women who are uh, who are on the National Security Council of the UN. 
And so even though more women are entering fields, there are fewer of those women at the top. Right. All of your studies and research. So if you were talking to a mom of a young girl today, mm-hmm. like what, and, and you have young girls. Yes, I'm well, the mother of two daughters, exactly, right? Exactly, uh-huh. right. So you probably have a lot to pull from. How the, what would you tell those ladies about, you know, how to bring up their daughters? What advice would you give for the, you know, everything that you've learned and studied? Yeah, what I would tell parents of young, and women themselves is to look closely at their interests. I think so many times that we don't pay attention to our interests. A lot of young girls are dissuaded from going into certain professions. I think a lot of women are dissuaded from following their interests and doing things that they love. But in reality, if you can pursue um, your interests, you're happier in your life. And uh, young women that are that are that pursuing their interests end up with jobs that they like more, that they're happier in. So. I think we should be encouraging girls to identify their interests and pursue their interests. And then the other thing that I would say is that we can't continue to tell young women they can have it all. Um, They can't. You can't have, you know, everything you think you might have wanted at the same time. So, you know, you, you can have things that you, you want, you want to believe in, you want to be successful in, you can have your dreams, but it isn't always possible to do everything at once. So, If you want to have a a super challenging, compelling job, it may not be that you can have a few kids at that same time because if one of your children gets sick or needs you, you know, there's a lot of guilt that women feel when they can't do what they need to do for their families and their spouses. At the same time, what I think is wonderful about our society is that it's so much more open now to men taking on more responsibilities and men supporting women that have dreams. So um, I think I would tell women to look carefully at their interests, to carefully consider the partner that they're going to choose for life, make sure they're clear on, you know, uh, that person is clear on on what the woman's dreams are, what their hopes are, just like we would want to support our partner's dreams. And and to have an understanding uh, going into a relationship and going into work of what it will take for you to be successful. And I would also say that in 2019, we have to be supportive of women that want to live non-traditional lives. Mm-hmm. That is, don't want to have children, right. want to work really hard, want to go after the presidency, want, right. want to become research scientists and not marry. I think that one thing that we should have achieved by this year and this time is the right to pursue our dreams, given that we want to work hard enough. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that you can't have it all at the same time. So you're saying we can still have it all, it's just maybe not at the same time. And if you try to attempt, like many of us, including myself, having it all at one time, you end up feeling like you're not doing 100% Mm -hmm. at work or 100% at home Mm -hmm. and not feeling fulfilled or feeling stretched and it also takes a toll on right. your physical health and everything right. else. So great. What about someone later in their career, somebody in their you know 30s, 40s, maybe even into their 50s, if they're ready to make a pivot or they've been doing the same thing for the, for a long time, what mm-hmm. would you say about someone who wants well, it? I would encourage them to do it. I mean, I think that one of the things that I was able to do in my career, you mentioned that I had been um, vice provost. So after many years of being a successful professor, I just was ready for a new challenge. So I took on an administrative job. It was very taxing, but by, by that point, both of my daughters were in college. They had you know, grown up, 
and I had time. My husband and uh, partner in life was very supportive of that. And it was wonderful to experience something different. It, I think one of the things that is becoming clearer and clearer is that, you know, mid-50s, and for me it was early 60s when my children were grown up and off on their own, graduated from college, working, was a time that I could take a risk and mm -hmm. I could do something completely different. I could work as long as I wanted to. I could, I could, you know, I could pursue what I had hoped that I could do earlier that is in a very high-level administrative position. And I think, you know, 50s and 60s is a tremendous time to take risks and, and to do something that you've always wanted to do. I will say, however, I, I do want to be clear on this, that I think women have to be cautious in not taking risks that put them at financial risk later mm -hmm. on because women um, over the age of 65 represent the, the greatest poverty group of adults oh, yeah, really? in, I didn't know yeah, that. In, in the world, the United States. I mean, children are obviously the greatest poverty group because they don't work, but uh, after that it's older women. And a lot of that is because they've stayed home to raise their kids. A lot of that is... You know, they, they have less in Social Security, they have less benefits, they have less money. And I think you, you need to be cautious about making sure you've taken care of your financial health. But given that, that this would not hurt your long-term security, I think it's an incredible time to take risk, even if it's risks related to volunteer work and that then might lead to paid work right. or, or hobbies. It's just such a wonderful time because you have the benefit of blocks of time that you didn't have mm -hmm. when you were raising children and uh, and working full-time and raising children, too. Right, so finding the opportunity but assessing the risk, I think, yes. is a good take-home message. And so tell us more a little bit about the study that you're doing recently right. that led to the Forbes article that you were recently quoted. Tell us about that. So I'm replicating a study that I've done that I did earlier about eminent women, but in this in this particular study, I'm looking at high creators. So women that um, were extraordinarily creative in the sense that they they changed something tremendously in in their in their lives and their careers. So. Um, I have, you know, women professors, I have women engineers, I have, uh, I have women in business, I have just, I have humorous, mm -hmm. I have just, and I'm asking them first, the first question I'm asking them is um, how they define creativity. And then the second one question I'm asking, and this is after a lot of homework to find them, to build files on them, to, to read their research, um, to make sure that they qualify as creative and eminent. Um, but the second question I'm asking them is, do they consider themselves to be creative? Because a lot of the research on creativity shows that women tend to downplay their creative accomplishments. And I'm just delighted to tell you that in 2019, every single woman that I've interviewed, and these are in-depth case studies, I have 15 of them done, every single woman has said, yes, I'm creative. Wow. So that's the that's first amazing. thing. And the second thing is that they're very conscious of kind of the paths that they took, reasons for their creativity. And, and actually, even though many of them are modest, which I did expect, when pressed a little bit, they do they do kind of admit their, their eminence and their talent. So mm. the kind of false modesty that mm -hmm. I found 20 years ago is less, oh, less there. That's good. Yeah. So when you talk about creativity, do you mean in the workplace, professionally, or career study, the creativity part? So this is creative in their work. So okay. I look for women who um, did something new and innovative, innovative. and yeah. unique in their work that actually 
changed their field, added a component to their area of work, uh, and every single one of these women kind of redefined a niche in their field. So, for example, one of the women I've studied is Regina Barreca. She's given me permission to use her name. She's a very famous um, humorist, uh, an English professor at the University of Connecticut, but she's one of the first women to really deal, invent, kind of pursue the genre of, of women's humor. And so she, her first book was a New York Times bestseller. It was called, um, they used to call me Snow White, but yeah. I drifted. <laughs> and uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful scholar and teacher and researcher, but she's redefined an area within her field. That's what I mean. And okay. Every single one of the women that I've been interviewing and I've studied has done that within her field. That's all about innovation, right? It's about innovation and it's about looking at something in your field that everybody else sees every day and seeing something different, coming up with something different. So you know, some of the scientists that I've studied, for example, have gone in totally different directions. Um, I have a, a, a woman, a businesswoman, that actually you know, redefined something within her field. And, and these are all women that were nominated by their peers, but there are multiple newspaper articles, professional articles about them. And I was just curious to see, would they acknowledge that they were creative? What was their creative mm -hmm. process? All of them, by the way, are very clear in their creative process. Oh, and I also asked them, do they have other creative outlets in life? And almost all do. And then I, I asked them, um, does the creativity enhance their well-being? Every single one of them said yes. Nice. What were some of the examples that they did outside of? Oh, some painted. Uh, some of them were gourmet cooks. Some of mm. them did um, house, house decorating and construction. Nice. Some of them ripped bathrooms apart, put new <laughs> bathrooms in, but they they almost all had evidence of creativity. You know, some of them wrote cre creatively, but almost everyone had evidence of other outlets for their creativity. I like it. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about, in my day job, at about evolving. You're going to either evolve or you're going to dissolve mm -hmm. because you have to keep... What was okay last year is not going to be for next year, so it's always with that mindset. So mm -hmm. it sounds like you found some great women to talk to. Yeah, they really did. I really did. It's been a fascinating. So I kind of hate to see it end. Um, I'm, you know, I write up my results for a couple of uh, professional journal articles, but then I've actually been thinking, with their permission, of writing a book about them. You know, a chapter about each woman. Nice. Well, you'll have to come back and tell us about the book. I would be delighted. So looking back on your career. If you had to say two or three moments or times, what what helped you get to where you are today? What what were those driving factors in your life or characteristics? Yeah, I think I've always been a really hard worker, but I was fortunate to find work that I loved. You mm -hmm. know, and it sounds like a cliche, but if you find work that you love, everything's better. Um, I also had you know support from other women. I'm a huge supporter of other women, and I think having you know, women friends and role models. I've also had a few, I've had, you know, extraordinarily supportive partner, spouse, my husband, Joe. I also had two very smart, feisty daughters that I learned a tremendous amount from that taught me patience. But I think I, I always had a goal. Um, it wasn't that I cared about being famous. I mean, it's been nice to be recognized for doing good work, but I always wanted to, I always wanted to do something that would make a difference, particularly for girls and women, and 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 I, you know, I give I've had the fort good fortune of giving speeches all over the world, 
And just to see, for example, I gave a speech last year in Mexico about talented girls mm-hmm. and women, and to see the reactions of women in the audience, um, people were crying. And, you know, for the first time, I think they realized that somebody was giving them permission to put themselves first for one small part of their life, to find some time to do their creative work. And I think that's probably been the most meaningful thing to me. Oh, that's you- really pushed me forward. I can just only imagine the thousands of women and people in general, because you're not just always speaking to women, but how many people you have touched and inspired. Mm -hmm. I think that's a take home. If you don't have a mentor or a woman Mm -hmm. person in your life, find someone who can help be your find your, find your people. You know, I, I, I make a joke. I say, find your tribe. You know, it's so important to know that there's somebody that's going to support you. And it takes so little for women to support other women. Mm-hmm. It takes so little to give a compliment, mm-hmm. to pat somebody on the back, right. to ask somebody how they're doing. I mean, I have probably, you know, 20 undergraduate young women that have been my mentees. I have a whole slew of nieces, and I have my daughters. I have my sisters, my mm-hmm. sister-in-laws. And I just find it takes so little to mm-hmm. support them, but too few women do it. I think, uh, unfortunately, women can be very hard on one another, and I mean, that's one thing that I, I would I would like to say. It's just time for that to stop. And if you if you're with women that are hard on you, you know, don't don't take it. Mm-hmm. Find other people to support you. And I I don't mean you you walk away from family members or friends. I just mean you 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 understand that they can't help you. They can't support you right now. But there are other people who can. And find those people who believe in you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think take home is if you're if you're out there and you're hard on other women. It's yeah. time for you to make a change. That's right. And for those who don't have that circle, go out and start to look for it and try to cultivate it. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been such a lovely conversation. Mm-hmm. I would love to do this again after you write your book and hear more about the results of your research. So if people wanted to get in touch with you or say hi or drop you a note, ask you yeah. for a little advice, where could they find you? I'm at the University of Connecticut, and my email is sally, S-A-L-L-Y, dot Reese, R-E-I-S, at uconn.edu. So fun. Thank you so much, Sally. My it's pleasure, been fun. Melissa. Thanks I for asking me. I appreciate it. Have a good one. And thanks for tuning in to Biswell. Until next time.